Welcome to P.I.'s Declassified, an inside look at the world of private investigators. Your host is Francie Kaler, a noted private investigator. Francie and her guests take you behind the scenes and into the genuine, sometimes gritty business of investigation. You'll hear stories from the trenches with plenty of surprises. Here's your host, Francie Kaler. Well, welcome back to P.I.'s Declassified. Our subject today is media relations 101 for legal professionals. And speaking of being professional, if you're in California and you're a newly licensed private investigator, sign up for the for the class, Newly Licensed Investigator Training, good name, huh, uh, to be held in Orange County Saturday, September 17th. If you want information about this important program, go to www.cali-pi.org. Slash events. So now let me introduce you to Don Shook. Don has won varied hats in his career, from serving in the United States Air Force to working in TV news and movies to being in law enforcement to being in corporate management for Adolph Coors Company. Good morning, Don. Good morning, Francie. So now, Don, you've been operating Merit Media Relations for almost 20 years. Why, after all your experiences, did you choose to take this route? Well, I did find through uh, the work in law enforcement as a uh, patrol deputy and then uh, going on to the public information officer position that uh, I very much enjoyed writing and communicating. I had worked in the news media before law enforcement, and I, there's, there's probably something seriously wrong with me because I do very <laughs> much enjoy working with editors and reporters. Uh, delightful uh, group of people. They they take their jobs very seriously, but they don't take themselves seriously, and that's mm. that's a refreshing uh, piece of breath, fresh air. Well, but, obviously, uh, obviously, your your department that was Jefferson County Sheriff's Department, Colorado. Mm-hmm. They obviously mm-hmm. saw your talent because uh, you. How long was it before you were appointed to that position? Uh, I joined the Sheriff's Department in 1975, and then after the uh, uh, police academy, my first tour of duty was in the county jail for a year, transporting inmates uh, to the state prisons and uh, escorting them over to court for their trials, etc. And then I went into the civil division for six months, serving court papers, subpoenas, summonses, etc., because I wanted to learn the roads in the Jefferson County, which is comprised of both flatlands and mountains. It's just due west mm-hmm. of Denver. And a uh, beautiful county uh, that has a lot of mysterious roads to it, and I didn't want to go to patrol not having a, uh, without a, a firm knowledge of the, the roads. Then I went on to patrol for three years. So after being with the department for six years, I was then... Uh, asked by the sheriff if I wanted to uh, move into a newly created position as PIO. Uh, there had not been that person before. It was not a position that was open to the entire department. Uh, he came to me. Excuse me. He came to me very specifically and asked if I would be interested in that position. So it was. It was not uh, open for discussion amongst the department. And uh, we uh, we looked at 
moving that position into a, a, uh, a, f- a functioning asset for the department. And then uh, I did that for about three years. And then our daughter was, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was gonna, just going to ask you, was there a, a case or a situation that the department thought they needed a public relations officer? Um, if there was, I was not aware of it at the time. Oh, okay. I know that uh, there was a considerable increase in the competitive nature of the Denver area news media. There were three network affiliates, and they all were spending a lot of money on their news operations, mm. helicopters, etc. And uh, then there were two, at that time, two daily competing newspapers, the Denver Post and the Rocky Mountain News. Right. So it was a very news-hungry market. And, but I'm not aware of any one particular incident that really resulted in the sheriff saying, I need someone to handle the media. Okay. If there was, I was not privy to that. Okay. So since you've been on both sides of this media circus, <laughs> why do you believe media relations are important for private investigators? Well, I think uh, probably the fact that they're working on cases that, uh, for the most part, I'm going to assume. Now, I I should preface that by indicating I have not been a private investigator. Uh, I have been a a preliminary investigator on felonies and misdemeanors through my law enforcement background. Mm -hmm. But uh, I I don't want... Uh, listeners to think, oh, you know, here I bring reams of experience as a PI to the the fold. My sense is that probably most PIs would prefer that their work remain under the radar. I would say that's true. uh, That that they're working on behalf of their client, uh, an attorney or corporation, etc. And uh, they, they probably want to play their cards pretty close to the chest and not tip their hand because I know that when you're building a, a misdemeanor or a felony case in law enforcement, and you, you don't want to give too much away until you get that filing done by the, the district attorney. Exactly. And my sense is that probably there could be an occasion when a PI's case, uh, you, you probe enough uh, contacts and develop enough of your background information that somebody's going to say something to somebody else and word will spread and a, a reporter doing his or her job is going to perk up and uh, pay particular attention. And uh, there, there may come a time when the PI's phone is going to ring and there's going to be a reporter there and uh, you don't want to have that deer in the headlights uh, right. uh, body language. And, and, and Don, you think the worst thing you can say is no comment. Uh, well, no, the worst thing would be to, to try to avoid saying no comment by saying something okay. that gives away an investigative key. But I do know that from having worked both in the news media and then with the news media in media relations and uh, now on, on my own, I know that uh, saying no comment is the equivalent of uh, the the red flag in front of the bull. It just brings out uh, all sorts of, of theories that the reporter may develop, may have hunches, etc., and it causes the reporter to dig a little bit deeper. And uh, you you might find things coming out in public that you just as soon not have out there because. Number one, they could be truthful, and you don't want to tip your hand. Or number two, they could be totally erroneous. 
and then you find yourself having to backpedal. Uh, and in the meantime, you as a PI may have really annoyed your client by this coming out, you know, when everybody wanted to just lay low and, and hope that nobody noticed. Well, you know, my position has always been to, I, like you say, stay under the radar because, um, first of all, how can you trust the news media that uh, they're going to report what you actually said? That's right. that's one one issue. Secondly, um, well, many of us work for attorneys, so we would need to refer anything like that to a, to the attorney, get their permission, mm-hmm. or to the get the permission from the client. So, I mean, right. it's it seems like a real bag of worms, frankly. Mm-hmm. So, what do you suggest? Well, there are ways to very politely indicate no comment without saying anything. And the more astute reporters, the more veteran reporters and editors will know that you're dodging the issue. Uh, but it doesn't, you know, if, for example, uh, owing to the scope of the investigation, I'm not really able to uh, elaborate on my response at this particular time. That's a very polite way. It's a lengthy uh, sentence, but it's a polite way of saying no comment, because the no comment can be just like hit, hitting a brick wall. And it, it just, uh, I, I think it's uh, just throwing gasoline on, onto a match that then uh, has the reporter figure, you know, in this, in this post-Watergate uh, days of, of uh, mm. journalistic uh, investigation, uh, the reporters, they, they clamor to, to go to larger papers. Uh, you know, they may have started out at a, a small 10,000 population community, and, and then they want to get to maybe a, a weekly and a large 50,000 uh, city and then they eventually hope to get to a daily, and maybe that daily is in a very, very small city. You know, they, they aspire, and they're not going to do it without making a name for themselves and getting their byline out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I know that journalism has, has taken a hit uh, over the last probably maybe 20 years, uh, but it, you know, it, it rose to, to its... It's a real high point probably back in the mid-70s as a result of, of Watergate and Woodward and Bernstein. Right. But then it also takes a, takes a hit with Janet Cook, who fabricated the story about uh, uh, drug usage at the Washington Post. And, uh, you know, what a, what a real uh, negative for journalism at that time. But uh, reporters are going to be, they're, they're going to be just like PIs. You know, you stop well, and was, think yeah. about it. I was going to say that because essentially probably one of the fears is exactly that. The reporters are going to dig and dig just like PIs do. And so mm-hmm. so we know what's looming ahead. <laughs> one of the things that I, I noticed during my three years as PIO in uh, Jefferson County, Colorado, was that how similar reporters are to uh, law enforcement personnel. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we are both privy to the absolute worst that people can do. What one human being can do to another human being in the commission of a crime or through fraud or theft or burglary uh, or, uh, God forbid, you know, crimes against children. And we're both uh, in, the, in the public service 
the police personnel, sheriff's department personnel are there to enforce the law, and the journalists are there, in a sense, to enforce the First Amendment. And they both have this tendency to want to retain what they call their, uh, what law enforcement calls their investigative keys. Uh, I don't know if, if you have that term within the, the world of PIs. I'm not familiar with that. When it, yeah, I'm not familiar with that. So. Investigative keys in law enforcement uh, would be those aspects of a crime that you do not reveal to the public for the very reason that people come out of the woodwork and flood your law enforcement agency with calls saying, well, I did it, and well, well, how did you murder that person? Well, I stabbed them in the chest four times. Well, if you know okay. that your victim was asphyxiated and you did not reveal that, so the public doesn't know the true cause of death, then you can eliminate those people by retaining your investigative keys. And it allows you to get on with okay. the, the true focus of, of uh, the crime. I would imagine there's probably something similar to that that maybe PIs deal with in terms yeah, of retaining. It's the same. Yeah, it's the same thing. The I just wasn't familiar with the term, but it's certainly you're going not going to uh, relay information that you have that's proprietary. Now I should also indicate, though, too, that you know it was uh, over you know, forty years ago that I went through the police academy. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I, I know I sound young. You sound very young, <laughs> Don. <laughs> but uh, I should preface that by indicating, though, I, in, in, under no circumstances do I ever you know, uh, feel that this is the current state of law enforcement in the U.S. I have maintained very close relationships with, with some wonderful friends that I worked with uh, in, in patrol back in the, in the 70s and the 80s, and many of them have risen up to very high positions in law enforcement agencies. And I, so I tried to still keep my, my, uh, my fingers in the pot in terms of that, but I, I couldn't tell you if the word investigative key is still part of the vocabulary of a, uh, a detective or a patrolman nowadays. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it makes sense. I mean, it's the same concept. It makes sense. So... Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so what is the media actually looking for? Well, uh, what I always uh, refer back to are what I call the who, what, when, where, why, and how, uh, the five W's and H. And as, as a, uh, a PI, I don't know that you'd want to answer all of those questions. But if right. you understand what the reporter is looking for, that helps you in terms of framing how you might respond back to that reporter. Uh, but basically, the who, what, when, where, why, and how would sum up what most journalists are looking for. Um, whether or not the PI reveals that is going to, I think, probably on a case-by-case basis, require a great deal of uh, of, of thinking uh, through the process and, of course, <clears throat> getting with the attorney or the client or the corporation, whoever you're, you're working for, uh, to, to strategize, okay, we've gotten this inquiry from the local newspaper. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I don't want to just say no comment or hang up on the person because I know that's just going to be uh, not working to our advantage down the road. 
but uh, to strategize, you know, what, what would be the worst that could happen if you were to answer one of those who, what, when, where, why, or how. For sure. Okay. All right. Um, John, we need to take a quick break. Uh, so, folks, you're listening to Media Relations 101 for Legal Professionals. It's PIC Classified. Don't go away. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call 1-800-350-CALI. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on PI's Declassified. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. I guess Don Shook has much experience with the media, and we've just been talking about uh, various approaches. Uh, Don, it just seems to me that, you know, in private investigators and their clients, and, you know, whether their clients are attorneys or, or private clients or insurance companies or whoever, um, mm-hmm. you're, you know, you're operating on different planes. You're not necessarily in a corporate environment where you can strategize, have a meeting. So you're completely separate, and you may get a call out of the clear blue, uh, nobody planned for it, and it seems to me that everybody should have uh, their their phrase. You know, like what what you were talking about earlier when you were with the police department. You know, there's mm-hmm. an ongoing investigation. I can't talk about. You know, I'm, I, mm-hmm. I apologize. I'd love to be able to talk to you, but there's an ongoing investigation we can't disclose yet, or something mm-hmm. like that. Is that is that what you're I talking think- about? I think if PIs were to recognize that probably most reporters, not I shouldn't say most, that's a gross generalization, I, I have no foundation for that, but I think a lot of reporters are probably used to having uh, the person they're calling hang up on them. Oh, really? <laughs> not, e- not, even, not even saying no comment. You know, some, sometimes, you know, this, this reporter is the last person in the world I want to talk to, click, 
And uh, so I think if you can uh, at least indicate something along the line of what you just talked about, you know, I'd really love to be able to talk to you at at, uh, greater length, but uh, uh, now is not the the best time for me. What, What time is convenient for me to give you a call back? And then then you follow through. You do what you say you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so many reporters are just used to being blown off and, and uh, never hearing back from, from their source. And uh, so I think if you, if you can politely word your, your response, say you are totally taken by surprise, totally mm-hmm. unprepared to have any comment at all on what the reporter may be talking about. Uh, that is a, a, a good opportunity to find the words that uh, indicate uh, you've caught me on, on my way out the door to an important meeting, and I can't talk to you right now, but please give me your phone number and, and when it's convenient for me to call you back. And then you, you do that. Uh, reporters will be, I think, somewhat surprised <laughs> that, that, that there will, will be people doing doing that, just that. And you haven't revealed anything about yourself or the case, but yet you've also indicated uh, the willingness to want to work with that reporter. It doesn't mean you're going to answer all of their questions, but you've, you've opened up that door. You've started that dialogue. You've established a relationship, if only over the phone. And uh, I think that does a lot to take down... The, the natural uh, defenses mm. that uh, a reporter might have. I'm thinking of an, an example right here might be that, you know, as a PI, uh, you have probably had to uh, dial many phone numbers and you get someone on the, the phone who's going to be a source of information for you. And, you know, how much more comfortable you feel about talking to that source if the source tells you, you know, gee, uh, Francie, this is not the ideal time, but uh, I, I do want to uh, be able to provide you some whatever information I can. You know, how can we get together? I think you're going to you're going to feel probably a lot more optimistic about working with that that source than uh, if yeah. they were to say, uh, I don't talk to PIs. Click. Yeah, that's good advice. So, so you suggest though getting uh, developing a relationship with with various media folks before you have an issue? I think that probably, depending on the, the town, and I, I recognize in a, in a large metropolitan area like New York or Los Angeles, San Francisco, Chicago, it's going to be pretty hard to go meet the people at the Tribune or uh, the Times or the Chronicle, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in, in smaller cities, that's possible. But find a way to uh, go in and use some sort of a, uh, an entree to introduce yourself to the person. Maybe you start following the reporters at a certain newspaper and uh, you, you study their bylines and you see what kind of stories they're writing about. Are they writing about human interest stories? Are they writing about stories about uh, uh, the family relationship? Or are they, are they doing the crime beat at the paper? And uh, start assembling a list of who's where. And then maybe you read a story written by John Jones at the, uh, the Bugle one day. And it was a very well-written story that seemed factual, correct, etc. Maybe you use that as a, an occasion to go in and... Uh, 
uh, drop your uh, card off at the newspaper and ask for that reporter or call him or her and say, hey, I, you know, I want to commend you on that story because reporters are not used to getting compliments stories. <laughs> I'm sure that's true. I'm sure that's true. And that, that must be really refreshing. Uh, even an email back to them because they usually have their email with exactly. their article these days. Exactly. There's somebody paid attention and uh, because the, the media are so used to getting beaten down by so many people and sometimes it is justifiable. I'm not going to be an apologist for the media, but uh, sometimes uh, it, it is justified but by and large, just because someone didn't like the, the way a story turned out, you know, that it mentioned a, uh, a beloved community figure as a, an embezzler, um, you know, the people will be incensed that, mm. you know, he, he revealed our founding father, or, you know, our mayor or whatever, uh, to be a corrupt individual. Uh, look beyond the, the initial hurt and just, you know, did the reporter get it right? And uh, you can use that uh, as an opportunity to develop a relationship. And one of the one of the key points here, Francie, would be that reporters, I think, are very much like cops, and I'm going to assume PIs. You love developing sources. Mm-hmm. For sure. You, you love knowing who you can go to to say, hey. Uh, I'm looking into some uh, shenanigans at the local racetrack. I need people who are familiar with placing bets at a racetrack or, or a racino, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you love developing people who know about things that you might someday have to, to be looking into. And uh, so reporters love developing sources. Uh, if they're going to be doing a story on an oil pipeline, well, uh, now is the time to go out and, and start talking to the people at the at the local companies who uh, who work with pipelines and find out a little bit about the industry, so that it doesn't hit you like a cold towel when uh, when you're suddenly forced to do a story. So that's that's working in the PI's favor to go out and and develop uh, a rapport, uh, a relationship, uh, if if not a relationship, an acquaintance with a well, reporter so that uh, when they call, there's a, there's a face with a name. Particularly if you have a special expertise, you can become that reporter's resource on that on the mm-hmm. subject. Mm-hmm. And we see that so many times, especially on, on with the, uh, the uh, proliferance of, of cable television news nowadays. We see so many of the networks go back to the same people. You know, an expert on domestic terrorism, an expert on international terrorism, an expert mm-hmm. on uh, the F-15 wings. Uh, everyone's got a specialty niche, mm-hmm. and you you see so many of the media go back to pretty much the same sources again, uh, consultants to the industry, aviation industry, etc. And uh, reporters uh, like being able to, to tap into their Rolodex, their electronic Rolodex now, I guess, and uh, be able to, to find someone who's an expert on something. But because PIs, are, I'm, I'm assuming, are going to, you know, they weren't PIs their entire life. They, right. they probably had a multitude of, of vocations that allowed them to get into the field of private investigations. And they've developed uh, some knowledge and expertise about things. And uh, so they, they know about things beyond just the world of private investigations, I'm, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
So when you're talking to them, um, one of the things you should really be aware of is you can't say anything that's off the record. Even if they agree that it's off the record, it's never going to be off the record, correct? Correct. Uh, I have always felt, and there are people in my profession in, in public relations and media relations who do feel that occasionally they've got to go off the record and explain something to the reporter. And uh, I, I have usually, uh, if, if that ever, and it, it, there are occasions in the past when I have done it, and I've been very, very fortunate. It never came back to mm. bite me in my derriere. Can I say that on radio? You can. Der- derriere? <laughs> yes, you can. You can say that on the radio. <laughs> So oh, wow. I was worried about that. <laughs> I could tell. But there, there so, are times that I have gone off the record, and I, I've always made it perfectly clear with the reporter. Okay, John, uh, I've got to go off the record to explain something to you so it doesn't take you down the wrong path. Are you agreeable going off the record? Yes. And I, I've only done that with reporters that I have worked with and that I know and that I trust, and their integrity right. is, is um, unquestionable. Then we say what we needed to say off the record, and then you go back on the record and say, okay, John, we're now back on the record, because with a reporter and a source, be that source a, a, a PI or, or a cop or a corporate spokesman, uh, everything should be considered on the record. Reporter calls you up and, and says, Francie, can you tell me about the uh, case that you're looking into regarding um, uh, the, the Quimbley case? Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, you, you might make the mistake of saying, well, you know, uh, there's nothing really we can talk about right now because we're getting ready to file the case next week. Ooh, <laughs> you yeah. didn't want to say that. You can't right. go back after the fact and say to the reporter, hey, I really, you know, that's, that's, that was an off the record. Can, you know, can we strike that? And the a, a reporter is perfectly within his or her right to say, "I'm sorry, that was on the record." You've got to consider everything you say as on the record. Now that said, uh, I my strongest advice always is to clients and, uh, and as, as people getting into the industry: don't ever go off the record. It can only come back to haunt you big time. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the criteria that, that I was uh, uh, familiar with when I, in both uh, law enforcement uh, uh, media relations and in corporate uh, media relations with uh, Coors Brewing Company was never go off the record with anything that you couldn't stand to see on the front page of the New York Times the next morning. Mm-hmm. That totally so makes let sense. That, let, let that be kind of a guide for, you know, as to going off the record. The simplest is simply you know, very easily, do not go off the record. So what do you do, Don, if um, you grant an interview and you're misquoted and it's detrimental to your case? What do you do with that? I would probably get with the client and find out first off, is this indeed detrimental to the case? Does it potentially torpedo everything that you've done or is it just a speed bump or is it just something I wished he hadn't put that fact in the story mm-hmm. so really find out what what is the amount of damage that was done 
if it's minimal and it's something that the client says, oh, you know, hey, I can live with that. It's you know, not going to upset the apple cart. Um, because then, addressing it makes it worse, doesn't it? I'm sorry? Ad- addressing it makes it worse, doesn't it? Not necessarily, because no? if there is indeed a legitimate uh, error made in a fact relating to the story, um, a, a misquote that totally puts a different slant on what the intent of the story was, uh, or there's a, an error in a statistic, whatever, uh, that reporter needs to be uh, advised, okay, this was not the information I provided you on the phone. The exact figure was 1,500, not 15,000. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the reporter needs to be informed, you know, just as, as you and I as human beings need to be informed if we've done something wrong or we've hurt someone's feelings. Uh, we need to know that. And uh, I will always assume that unless somebody tells me otherwise that what I've done is, is correct. And I have people coming back to me indicating, you know, I, I don't think that was a correct figure. Where did you get that from? So I don't mind being challenged. And if it's, yeah. if it's a faux pas on my part, uh, I need to know that. And uh, so I, I, I know what landmines are out there. But, uh, no, I don't know that it would, by contacting the reporter saying, uh, Joan, that, that story that was in this morning's paper uh, had some misquotes in it and had some erroneous information. Um, a, a, a good reporter will always be interested in getting the facts straight. Okay. Uh, I, was, I was in the lobby of uh, uh, the, the Hartford, Connecticut Current uh, many, many years ago. I was getting ready to meet with a business editor there. And I remember looking up on the wall of this magnificent old uh, newspaper building, uh, a typical old newspaper uh, building in in downtown Hartford, Connecticut. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was a phrase that was emboldened in in bronze letters on the wall, and it said, reporters will always make mistakes. The good ones will regret it. Hmm. That's good. That's good. Mm -hmm. Well, what what about press conferences, Don? What What do you think about those? I'm sorry, what do I think about what? Press conferences. Uh, there's a place and a time for them. And I should probably uh, also use this occasion to indicate everybody calls them press conferences, press releases, or we need to notify the press. Uh, most of the media nowadays know exactly what you mean when you're talking about a press conference or a press release. I always advise my clients that uh, we're going to have a news release, we're going to have a news conference, etc. Because by using the word press, you have really, in a sense, ignored two-thirds of the media, okay. which is the broadcast outlet. So I, I, that's just a personal thing with me. I, I prefer the word news versus press. A news conference uh, can be very valuable, but... Uh, they're, they could be easily overused. Uh, as a result of the, the 2008 recession, uh, newspaper staffs have been decimated. Uh, they've been reduced down to a skeletal crew, uh, and they, they still have to put a newspaper out every day or every week. And there are so many uh, people that have left the paper through voluntary retirements or outright layoffs, etc., that the few that are left are asked to do even more. 
And as a result, asking them to leave their newsroom to go to a news conference down the street at a hotel or across town or whatever uh, could be a real uh, uh, interruption in their day and how they had planned to work that day. So news conferences have their right place, but I think a lot of it uh, is dependent on exactly what you are announcing. Right. Um, I myself, when I was in law enforcement, I, I called a news conference because we had a lieutenant who was ready to make a major announcement of an arrest. And to us at the Sheriff's Department in Golden, Colorado, that was a big news item. But in the much larger scheme of things in the Denver metro area, uh, that was just a drop in the bucket. And I, okay. I later was advised by a number of assignment editors at the TV stations and reporters saying, hey, what did you call us out here for? Uh, and it, it just, you know, 30 years later, I still vividly remember that. And okay. it was a very valid point. <laughs> Good point. Um, We're going to take I another think- quick break, Don. Uh, sorry to interrupt, but we'll be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call 1-800-350-CALI. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on PIs Declassified. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. Thanks for staying with us, folks. Don Shook is sharing his tips on dealing with the media. And Don, I'm wondering, what about creating a media event? Something that would, would get people to pay attention. Well, I, I think probably the first question would be is what will the media event be doing? What are you highlighting? What are you pinpointing? What are you hoping that the media will notice? Uh, do you have a celebrity there or do you have a, a uh, beloved uh, person, father, mother from that town that's getting some accolade or whatever? I don't know that that would be anything that a, a PI would ever be involved with. What about but, a missing uh, person or a missing child? Private investigators uh, get involved in those all the time. You could always do a media event, but then I'm 
I would be personally afraid of, you know, with all of the stories that the, the skeletal staff of journalists have to cover, would they be able to break time away? You know, when I was at Coors, you know, we, we thought, hey, you know, it's beer. Everybody loves beer, right? Mm-hmm, you know, so mm-hmm. here, here we have this announcement to make, and uh, uh, we'll just uh, open up the brewery and, and have the reporters come on out. And, uh, you know, you get all of the, the Coors family members, uh, uh, and they, they go put on their ties because they didn't normally wear ties. And then you, you have this news conference or this media event coming up, and I'm sitting there just hoping that a 747 doesn't land on I-70 in Denver at the same time I have my media event. Right, right. Because I, I know where the media is going to go. When you have a missing person or a child in, a, in a, an endangered situation or you're looking for witnesses to uh, some sort of an, an incident that you are, are investigating, I would probably fall back on the, um, the, the news release or what some people call, you can call it a media advisory. That's kind of like uh, letting the media know, hey, here's a one-page document and here's Here's what we're looking for. Here's who we're looking for. Here's a photo of the missing child, et cetera. And uh, then you can scan that, uh, send a JPEG to the reporter as an email, or drop it off in person. That way you know they got it, and you're not sitting there hoping that your best laid plans for this media advisory have just gone all awry because now there's a – uh, an oil spill somewhere or a tank car just exploded um, out of town or whatever. Uh, you've, you've got a lot of things to compete with, and uh, reporters have a, a – there's only a finite number of them. But, so uh, when so you say do you're doing – so you want to do a news release, uh, and you have mm-hmm. a whole list, two or three pages of news agencies across the country. Do you send them out mm-hmm. to everybody? How do, you, how do you do that? What do you recommend? I don't know that you would be initially looking at a nationwide news release. I, I'm, I'm, I would imagine there's probably some times when, when you might want to get national exposure, but the thing there is that you're competing with Apple uh, launching a new iPhone, and uh, the media is, is just torn between all this news going on. There are wire services that can broadcast that news uh, worldwide for you. There are some organizations, such as uh, Associated Press, that do that uh, at no cost. Uh, You might want to look at developing a relationship with the AP bureau chief uh, or a reporter that covers that particular area just Mm -hmm. to establish that relationship because AP then can take that news. They're going to rewrite it themselves and then send it out on their wires if they feel that this is a story worthy of national or international significance. There are, there are other services that can take that same news for you and broadcast that worldwide electronically for a fee. And those two, the two major services are called Business Wire, which is all one word, uh, Business Wire, and the other is PR Newswire. They're the, probably the two major competing for-profit uh, wire services that can take 
whatever you want to say and send it out worldwide for a fee. And uh, they'll, they'll word it however you want them to word it, as opposed to Associated Press taking that news and rewriting in their own style. I see. Do you know if those services are expensive? Uh, I have used Business Wire for uh, NPR Newswire for some announcements that my clients uh, want to make because they want to reach certain audiences, including the financial community, because this is going to impact the the value of a, a stock portfolio, et cetera. Uh, you're reaching the investment community, and that automatically covers uh, the SEC requirements, uh, Securities and Exchange Commission requirements for informing. Uh, but yes, they they are not cheap, Francie. They're not cheap. But okay. they're very yes. thorough, was... and they they do they do really penetrate the world. But they're okay. not cheap. All right, that's good. That's good to know. So, um, you have some definite do's and don'ts that you would recommend. Could you go through those with us? Well, never do radio interviews. That's, that's my first <laughs> never recommendation. Do radio. <laughs> well, as I've said in the past, it's much. I think it's much easier to be the interviewer rather than the interviewee. I don't know if you feel that way or not, but I do. <laughs> um, now, again, that's a, that's a throwback to my, my reverence for reporters, and it's a, a delightful group of people, and yet I also... As a public relations professional, I always have to maintain that that distinction. You know, I I I will socialize with these reporters, but you know, come Monday morning when they call me <laughs> and they're working on a story, you know, the the professional hat uh, comes on, and uh, we don't talk about uh, uh, anything that's insignificant or not relating. I would say. Probably uh, right at the top of the, the do's and don'ts, uh, do be 100% honest. Um, just because uh, a reporter has asked you a question doesn't mean that you have to answer it or that you have to answer all of the questions that a reporter might have. Uh, but when you do, what you do say should be 100% accurate. Uh, the only commodity that that uh, a, a source would have is is their credibility and their mm-hmm. integrity. And once you blow that, uh, it, it's it's gone and it's pretty hard to recover. Um, do attempt to know uh, reporters in advance of your meeting them on a professional basis. Um, be familiar in advance with newspapers and broadcast stations in your community. Know okay. what newspapers are, are there and what reporters cover what beats. Uh, you're looking for the editorial aspect of a, of a newspaper, not the public publishing department. Uh, publishing department is, is trying to bring in revenue uh, by selling ads. The editorial department is, is usually totally separate. So you're dealing with the editors and reporters. Um, use correct grammar in all of your news releases oh, that's a good and point. in-person interviews. Uh, uh, be, be articulate. Be knowledgeable about what you're talking about. If you're not knowledgeable, you shouldn't be talking about it. Uh, don't try to come off as something more than, than what you are. Uh, if you do have a news conference or a, a media event, uh, begin that uh, or an interview on time. Uh, reporters have deadlines, uh, just like you do, uh, for interviews. 
uh, I would recommend that uh, uh, PIs be overdressed for an interview. Uh, your professionalism will be enhanced. Um, Don't come in t-shirt and jeans, huh? <laughs> well, that would that would be an upgrade. <laughs> that would be an upgrade. Okay. <laughs> Uh, but no, look, look and dress professional, be well-groomed, um, you know, have your hair combed and shampooed, et, et cetera. Um, reporters, uh, one of the things that I love about them is that they, <laughs> they're, they're very irreverent about uh, the way they dress and mm-hmm. the way they carry on. It's just, I think, part and parcel of, of the trade. Um, develop, here's, a, here's another thing uh, I think it would be a valid point, Francie. Develop speaking points. Uh, message objectives that you wish to convey throughout an interview. Uh, know in advance uh, what the general topic is going to be, and you should know that. You don't be afraid to ask the reporter, okay, hey, I'd like to you know, familiarize myself with some things here. What, what's the focus on your, your interview? And then find ways to bridge back uh, uh, to the positive speaking points throughout the interview. <clears throat> a reporter says, you know, it, it took you four weeks to to uh, conduct this investigation. What what took so long? Uh, you could say, well, we found that, as with any investigation, we want to do it in a methodical uh, manner, step by step, and that's the way we've always worked, so that we come up with an accurate result. You've bridged mm-hmm. back to the positive as to why it took you four weeks to to do whatever. Uh, but finally, really speaking points. Learn how to pronounce difficult names, uh, locations, or words um, so that uh, you sound a little more articulate. Uh, allow time for a Q&A at the end, <clears throat> end of a news conference. Don't ever just make your statement and then walk off. Um, allow time for Q&A. You may not be able to answer uh, a lot of those questions that are going to be forthcoming, but you're, you're not giving the reporter any opportunity to write, well, they then left the stage and didn't take any questions. You know, that, mm-hmm. that's, that's true. You know, somebody just walks off the podium, but it, it, in a, it puts you in a negative light. <clears throat> be respectful. This is important, too. I think be respectful of a reporter's deadline, but don't be rushed into giving wrong information. Right. Re- reporters will frequently say, well, I'm on deadline, and I've had a have to have this story into my editor in the next 15 minutes, so I need the answer right now. Uh, I am sorry that you are under deadline, but that does not comprise a, a, or cause a crisis on my part to be able to get you that information, especially if you're not going to be revealing accurate information. Right. Find out, you know, is that information you can release? And then number two, is it accurate? Uh, and also, don't be afraid to say, hey, you don't know. Uh, acknowledge to the reporter you don't know the answer, but promise to and do follow up. Uh, anticipate the tough questions. Answer them honestly and then bridge to your positive uh, news, the, the message objectives. Uh, one more do. Always return phone calls to reporters. If only to say you're still looking into the inquiry, set a firm time for responding to it, and stick to it. You may never end up giving them the answer that they want, but at least they know that you're interested in, in letting them know the, the status of that. Uh, you know, just you listening don't. to you, Don, all of these points apply to client relations as well, witness mm-hmm. relations. Anything mm-hmm. you do with dealing with other people, all of these apply to that mm-hmm. as well. Uh, a few don'ts that, that uh, are important, 
excuse me, I get all choked up when I'm, I'm talking yeah, on the radio. When you talk about don'ts. Don't, <laughs> don't say no comment uh, to a seasoned journalist that you'd appear to be hiding something that will raise their suspicions. Find an honest, credible way to explain your response. We've, we've talked about that on and on here. Uh, don't be afraid to admit you don't know the answer. If it is critical to your reporter's story, explain. You'll find out and let them know. Uh, again, a, a repetition of this, don't ever go off the record. It only comes back to, to hurt you. Yeah, and also, yeah. don't play favorites. Uh, uh, don't, don't pick out certain reporters that you like and, and others that you, you know, obviously, your body language or your tone of voice tells them, you know, and, and I, I don't like you. <clears throat> they're, they're all reporters, and uh, you just don't play favorites. And then uh, one, one last don't. Um, don't fall for a ploy used by some reporters. Uh, I call it the pregnant pause. Uh, you finish your comments, mm-hmm. whether you're interviewed in person or on the phone uh, or on camera. You finish your comments, and the reporter stares at you in silence. They're holding the microphone right to your lips, <laughs> and they stare at you in silence. You feel compelled to fill the dead air, and invariably invariably, Francie, you'll end up saying something you wished you had not said. Right, right. None of us like dead air. We want to try to fill mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so quickly, Don, I, I know you have a um, public relations firm, uh, Merit Media. What it, how would people contact you if they uh, had questions for you or, or even wanted to hire your services? Uh, carrier pigeon usually carrier works pigeon best. will do it. And yes, <laughs> okay. yes, because you know we don't we don't have any snow uh, here in Las Vegas. Uh, <laughs> okay, you have a website. Um, I'm, yes, uh, www. com. That's M-M-R-P-R. spelled phonetically as in Mary Mary Robert Paul Robert. com, and uh, they'll be able to. Read a little bit about my background, the experiences in law enforcement. Uh, I was a a kidnapped hostage negotiator for the Sheriff's Department. I went to the FBI uh, training for that. And then I was also uh, selected to be part of the uh, senior ranking officers that are chosen to uh, uh, conduct an oral board interview of interested applicants who want to join the Sheriff's Department. I have some background in there on the law enforcement and uh, Okay. All right. I was, uh, well, I hope people will that. look you up. We are, we're out of time, Don. This has been fascinating. Thank you so much. Well, and thank you. For the rest of you, tune in again next week as we declassify more real stories from real investigators and attorneys and related topics like this one on media relations. Thank you, Don. It's PIs Declassified. I'm Francie Kaler. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you, Don. You've been listening to P.I.'s Declassified with your host, Francie Kaler. Tune in every Thursday at noon Eastern Time. That's 9 a.m. for you West Coast listeners. P.I.'s Declassified explores stories of deceit, mystery, and detectives unraveling the truth. Every Thursday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific Time here on the Voice America Variety Channel. 